0: Ready to listen. And if we position ourselves, um, God will speak some things into our lives, and we'll have all the answers that we need. Um, today, we're going to be talking about a subject that's going to hopefully be inspiring, but it's also going to challenge you. So, I'll kind of give you a, a, a update, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, not an update, but I'll give you a pre-warning uh, what is to come. Um, but I, um, every now and then, when I have to give a word like this, and I was walking, I usually take walks and pray. How many of you ever do that? I just take walks. A lot of times, I'll, I'll just break the monotony a little bit instead of and just kneeling in my prayer room, which I have in my house. A lot of times, I'll just get outdoors, smell the fresh air, and I just walk down the road and talk to God. And uh, and God just dropped this really into my spirit yesterday, and um, and I just want to share it with you. Um, it is probably. I would just say this, probably one of the more profound messages, and not because I'm preaching it, but because of the subject matter is very biblical and it is critical uh, to your growth and to our understanding of the larger picture of what God is calling us to be. So we're going to shatter some thinking this morning. it's going to challenge you. Um, but hopefully uh, I want you to take it. If you have questions, go home and study it, look at it and say, okay, um, you know, God what do you want me to do next so before we do that we're going to have our scripture reading I believe my daughter Elise she's going to come can you just please give her a hand of encouragement as she comes up and read the word of the Lord we just ask that you stand in, order, in honor of God's word please There is a short delay, but she's coming back. Just like Jesus, she's coming back. Amen.
1: Okay, the the scripture we're going to be reading today is in Philippians chapter 3, 1 through 16. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised in th- on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church as for legis- legalistic righteousness and faultless. But, who, but whatever was to my prophet, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is, more, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sharing of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Now that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and and straining toward what is ahead, forgetting what I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things and... If on some point you think d- differently, that to God will make clear to you, only let us live up to what we have already attained.
0: Amen. Let's pray while you're standing. Father, we do thank you so much. Um, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for your spirit that guide and lead us into all truth. Father, I desperately desperately want you to move to father God that I would decrease there would be none of me and all of you these are your people this is your church I'm just your servant just standing here operating as a mouthpiece for you father God will you please help us to be transformed In the likeness of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject my greatest ambition. My greatest ambition. As I think about ambition, no doubt. Being ambitious is something that is a worthy goal. We often say this to our children. We often talk about ambition. It's that kind of like that drive that motivates you to do something. In fact, when I looked up the word ambition, it means a cherished desire, a strong drive towards something a aspiration, and a dream. It's the thing that drives you to what you feel is most important. As a believer, and I, everything that we do as Christians is always in the context of church. It's always in the context of Christ. Because as believers, our number one ambition should be Jesus Christ. And when I say that, what really do I mean? That means that every decision that I make in life, the one who is driving those decisions is my relationship to Jesus Christ. Before we came into the kingdom, understand that we're all independent, right? We, we, we have a course that we're taking. Perhaps you grew up and you had a dream that you were going to be something, whether it could have been a doctor or it could have been you know, a lawyer or maybe it could have been a singer or whatever. All of us have a course, or had a course that we were on before we came to Christ. But sometimes what people fail to say to you is that once you now have come to Christ, You now have a responsibility, I want to take this stuff further, an obligation to now say, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do in my life? That means that as a Christian, a true born-again believer, your ambition is to do the will of God. Not only as it's prescribed in Scripture, but what he has for your own personal life. You see, when Christ becomes your ambition, you don't simply take a job because it's more money. When Christ becomes your ambition, you don't simply move in a house or relocate simply because it's the best bang for the buck. You know, there's a lot of people that live their life that way, that they live their life. That they don't realize it, but the dollar can be your slave. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, that, that wherever the financial opportunity is, I feel that we automatically connect that to God. How do we know that everything that looks good ain't always good? Sometimes God is going to ask you to do some things that is going to go contrary to your flesh because our goal is To find out what he is doing in our lives and we're to adjust to him. God does not exist for us to for him to adjust to our plans. Plans are good. But every plan you have, you got to first say, Lord, you need to, on a regular basis. Lord, this is what I really want to do. But, Lord, is this something that that you want me to do? I feel like that that I want to uh, I I want to take this job. I want to relocate. I, I want to do this. But, God, is this what you want? Instead of just making decisions on the fly, saying that it seems good. God is blessing me. So why wouldn't God want me? To do that, I would tell you that there have been times in my life when I God has never spoken to me audibly. Some of you more spiritually mature people may have experienced that. Um, I'm still the today. I know he's at some point going to speak to me audibly. I realize that when I see him face to face, I, I know he is. But but God speaks to your spirit. And there have been times when God has spoken to me and it is as if he was sitting right there beside me in the car talking in my ear. And there have been things, and I always know when it's God, because in most cases, when it's God, it goes against what I really want to do. Do you hear me? Because all of us have a predisposition to for self. And your whole Christian life is about killing yourself. This won't get it won't be number one on the Christian books. You know? Can you imagine? Could you imagine walking in the store and the number one selling book dying to yourself? How many you think would buy that book? Would it reach? Yeah, there's some folks that would. But really, do you think it'll reach the bestsellers list? That people be screaming all about? You know? You remember the prayer of J. You remember that? That little book people said that little prayer and everybody just went and got that book. Lord, just bless me wherever, because it was all about just bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. God wants to bless you. But the way you define blessing and the way God is on, oftentimes we're, we're, we're on different sides of the track. God wants you to have a great and abundant life. But see, too many, and I say this, I say this carefully because I love the church. I love the church. I love God's people. I love being in an environment with other people who love God like I do. And there's nothing. I love more than being around God's people. It's it's I mean, I come in this place and I I just I I feel a sense of awe. I love God's people. I I love the atmosphere of worship. I I love it when the people of God are enthusiastic and they love God and and and, and people are excited about church. I love that. But if I'm honest, if I'm honest, and and I mean no, we, we gotta be honest with ourselves. What I'm going to say to you today is, is truth, It's honest, It's being honest with you. Too many churches today are built around appeasement. Whatever I need to do to keep you around or to keep you happy. I had one brother tell me one time, a pastor, you can't be preaching on that deny yourself stuff because you run everybody out the church. Preacher told me that. Say that, that kind of talk will kind of push people. You know why? And many of us look at that and say, well, but let, let, let's be honest. If you heard that kind of talk week in and week out, you'd be like, oh, <laughs> sorry. But see, when you die to yourself, you never have to beg people. You never have to get help again, ask beg people for help. When, 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 you, when, when you die to yourself, uh, you, you don't have a problem with forgiving people. You don't have a problem with loving people. You don't have a problem with giving. When you die to yourself, you do whatever, because you don't, listen, it don't, your life is not your own. Here's what we do. Here's what a lot of the churches do. Not a lot of them. I should say some of them. And, and they do this not because they have wrong motives, because they have good motives. I believe that the majority of God's men and women are good people. I, I firmly believe that. But we live in a society today that is entertainment-based. And and it's all about, you know, uh, what kind of program that I can come up with just to keep people around, keep people in the church. But, you know, people can be in the church and still not growing. Just because you're in the church don't make you a Christian. You can come in this church every week and I'm glad you do, but that don't make you spiritual. It don't make you spiritual just showing up here every Sunday and listening to me talk or whoever's up here talking. It don't make you no more spiritual until you make a decision in your life that not, you're going to die to yourself. And you're going to apply the word of God for your life. It's not going to make a difference. But, but many people think that they're, spiritual mature, that they're spiritually mature and that they're all right with God as long as I go to church and I give an offering and I'm good. That's the extent of their relationship with God. And unwisely, un- we've built, in this Western culture, we- we've built, you know, I- I've always listened to these preachers who tell me they go overseas, and, and you know, you, and they tell me they preach to, like, hundreds of thousands of people, like, build these places in Africa, and you always see these big sea of people. Those people, let me tell you something, when you're desperate, when you really understand sacrifice, when you're going through stuff, I mean, it's not hard for you to pray, <laughs> Those people, and and I always hear of all these miracles, supernatural miracles that happen overseas. And I wonder, where are they here? Because many people are, it's, 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 it's all about me getting mine so I can continue to live mine. I want God to heal me. Why do you want God to heal you? I'm just, can I be real? Can we talk? You remember Joan Rivers? I don't know if she's still living, but she's asked a question. Can you talk? Can we talk? Um, you want God to bless you. Lord, bless me with more money. Why? Why? God, will you please heal me? Heal my body. Why? why? Why do you want God to do that? God, will you please give me the house? I'm believing you for the house. Can I ask you why? I'm not saying those things are in and of themselves wrong. I'm just, I'm just saying, do we ever ask the question, why? What really then becomes, what's the motive in our asking of that? Discipleship, listen to me. Salvation is free. You know, Jesus paid it all, right? He died for our sins. Hallelujah. He said, if you did believe in me, you'll have everlasting life. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was whipped. He was tortured for me and for you. He was, he was just humiliated and spit on and dismissed, all of that, because he loved us. And he said, listen, if you believe in me, receive in me, you will have eternal life. He paid the price. But here's the thing. Salvation is free. Discipleship costs. It's hard being a disciple of Jesus. Do you hear me? It's hard loving people who don't love you. It is very hard doing things a different way when you've been used to doing it one way all of your life. Discipleship will cost you everything. If you really want to be a serious believer, watch this. It will cost you your money, your time, your effort, your sleep. It will cost you everything to be a true disciple of Jesus. Cost you everything. But here's what, here's, here's what the temptation is. is that, okay, I want to hold on to, I want to be a good Christian. I want to do a couple of neat things. But I want to hold on to my life over here. So, in essence, what we say is that I want God. See, it's like it's like it's like God becomes a means to an uh, end, to our means or means to our end. Somebody help me! You know what I'm talking about? It's like. I, I, I want God, but I want God so that he can help me get this. You see, it was always my desire to get this. And, and if I can get with God, if God can help me get to there, then I want God. But, you know, God, when God comes in your life, he don't come and say, look, you know, somebody said the other day, God, I saw on the, on the license plate, God is my co-pilot. Well, if, if God is your co-pilot, you're in the wrong seat, baby. Because he ain't no, God ain't no co-pilot or nothing. Let me tell you something. When you come to God, you give up everything. You you get stripped. Now, some of you might think, oh, man, that's so that's hard. But you know what? It's the best stripping you'll ever get. I've never met a person that really got saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. To sit back and say, "Boy, I just regret being a Christian. I never met one. But I met a lot of people who are trying to find happiness, joy and peace outside of Christ. And they're always miserable. And their happiness is predicated upon how their life is going. You know, they're, they're li- everything is predicated upon how my life is going. But but you get a real sanctified born again believer. Man, I tell you what, I am joyful. My life has never been more complete. I won't take back the world for nothing. I hate the flesh. I hate the world. I hate everything that thing that world did to me. I don't want nothing to do with it. Amen. Jesus said, The world has nothing in me. He said, Nothing. Because when you get a revelation, a glimpse into his glory, it will change you. You know, the Bible says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Taste and see. Once you really taste him, you don't want to go back. Like, we had a real good taste of Jesus. It's like, Oh no, this, this is it for me. And then after a while, you know what happened? You're getting mad because the devil been telling you all these years, you get saved, you go to church, stuff. that's boring. You ain't going to have a good time serving Jesus. That's going to bore you. That's going to, you know, that, that, that's a, you ain't going to like that. You know? And so you spend all your life ever, ever learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. And then at some point, sometime, you give your life to Jesus. You're like, oh, man. That's how I was. I was like, oh. I kept thinking. I said, "Boy, if I was different in college, if I had a mind of Christ, I could have did some damage." Because you know, when you're young, you're more rambunctious and you're real foolish. You'd be dangerous for Jesus. But you know, God does everything for a reason. I thank God that He was patient with me. I wouldn't change it for nothing. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Now, if you're here because you want someone to stroke your ego and make you feel better about yourself, can I say right up front, you're in the wrong church? The pastor church won't grow like that. Okay. Then I'll die and I'll just be accountable to Jesus for it. But if you're here to find purpose and real meaning in life, then you're in the right place. Because I'm going to point you to the one who can give it. Amen. It's Jesus. Amen. It's Jesus. Luke 9, 23 through 25. Luke chapter 9. I know y'all was thinking, is pastor ever going to get to the Bible? Yes, I am. You know I had to back it up. Luke 9, verse 23 through 25. How many know that Jesus is radical? Jesus made some real difficult statements. Um... I don't know how else to say it. They challenge you. <laughs> it's just really, really hard. But listen to what he says. He says in verse 23 uh, down to 25, we'll read. Then he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, here's the criteria. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the entire or the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Jesus said if anybody want to come out to him, he says, "Here's, here's, here's, here's the number one criteria. Here's what you got to do. He says, you got to deny yourself. How many of you will say that's hard? I'd be the first one to say that's hard. I'm not super spiritual up here telling you Pastor Gary. I mean, it's hard. He said, if you really want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. That means your own desire, your own way of doing things. He says, you got to deny it. And then he says, take up your cross. You remember when Jesus took up the cross, you remember that was pretty violent. That was painful, what Jesus had to endure. Not just physically. We understand that Jesus was taking on the sin of the whole world. I mean, I could not imagine that. I mean, my sin enough would kill you. But Jesus took on the sin of the entire world. I mean, he said, you got to take up your cross. You know, when he took up the cross, it was hard. It was painful. It was suffering. Do you not know that in some cases, and I said this, I think, last week, a couple of weeks, I talk so much, I don't even remember sometimes when I say these things. But part of your walk with God is suffering, First Peter. Part of your walk with God is suffering. Not that you go and welcome it, but sometimes God just says, okay, I can't move it out of the way, but I'm going to give you the power to endure it. You remember the Apostle Paul? We don't know what that thorn in his flesh was, but he was like, Lord, will you please take it away? He said, nope, I ain't going to do it. My grace is sufficient. My power comes through when you're at your weakest point. When you feel like you got nothing left, when you feel like you're empty, he says, At that moment, at that moment, that is when I will know I will get the glory because everybody knows that if that happened in your life, the only way it could have happened is because of me. Amen. Amen. See, it's all about the Jesus. See, if we come to a point and we start thinking, Lord, whatever you're doing in my life, Lord, I want you to get the glory. Lord, if it means that you want me to endure this situation, okay, God, I'll do it. But how many know that, that that God gives grace? He says, "My grace is sufficient." I, 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 I had an opportunity to talk with briefly with Brother Kevin. I didn't get permission to say this, and so he may get me later. But um, he was telling me about his sister. I've met his sister and. I had an opportunity last year to go pray with her. Michelle took me over to the house, and uh, uh, and she's suffering from a disease, and, uh, and she's in pain. And you know, I, you know, you know how you go someplace and you're thinking that you know you're supposed to be praying for them, you're supposed to be helping them. I walked out there feeling like I needed help, because even though she was going through all of that, her faith in God was just as strong. I mean, I'm sitting there looking at like. Wow. But it should not be a wow. It should be the norm. She because, you see, and I'm sitting there watching her and I'm sitting there watching her in pain. And yet she is rejoicing still. And she all she's talking about, Lord, I want to make sure that you get the God, get the glory out of my life. He's doing it for a reason. He's doing it for a purpose. Does she want to be healed? Yes. Who want to experience pain? Who want that, right? I mean, we want to be healed, but, but, but at some point, she had to come to a place where you had to say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to still believe you for healing, but just in case you don't, I want you to know that I'm going to stay right here. Jesus said, when I come back, will I find that kind of faith on the earth? The kind of faith that says, no matter what happens, God, I'm with you. I'm going to stay in there. I'm going to keep fighting. Though you slay me, yet will I Amen. trust. you. How many know that's deep? That's the anointing. You see, Jesus says that to save your life, you must lose it. You must lose it. See, we got to move from the place of being users of God to being lovers of God. You, you follow me? Not a user. God, I'm not in this because I want God to give me something. I'm in this because I want a whole different life. I want a whole different course. I am in this. I, if, if God bless me with stuff, fine. If he don't, I'm fine. Paul says, I know how to abase. I know how to abound. He's in all things. I've been instructed. He, listen, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. Philippians 4.10, who strengthens me. You know what that all things mean? That means even if it's hard, I can do it. We often look at that as saying, I can do all things. God can give me the ability to overcome and get over and get around it. But 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 sometimes God says, no, you're going to have to go through it because there's an anointing. There's a grace for folks that go through some stuff, because if you can maintain your joy and your peace. Because you're a witness to the world that my hope ain't here. Oh, my hope has never been here. I, I still can have joy, even though this is very, very hard. How I many you want that kind of joy? Not the kind of joy that's shifting? Oh, my life. Oh, everything's bad. You know, I, I hear, you know, I told you about the few stories and, you know, the stuff happening to people. I just don't get that. Listen, I get, uh, I get, I get mad. Right? I got mad when I found out what happened. brother. I just got mad. Didn't get mad at God. I just mad at sin. I'm mad that we were ever in this place in the first place. I'm mad about the whole thing. I can't wait. Until, the, until this whole thing is over when death and sickness and disease will be defeated from a practical standpoint. We know positionally it's already been done. The scripture's already told you he's overcome. See, that's where your faith got to be. But yeah, you know, it's okay to get mad every now and then. I get mad about sin. I get mad when I see uh, little kids that are hijacked by some pervert. I get angry. I get mad when innocent people or so-called innocent people... Uh, are attacked and you know uh, somebody who goes to church serve God do all the right things and they endure they go through this problem and I see other people who could care less about God they could care less They're all there. you know there are people driving by this church they could care less what we're doing they could care less about God but I'm glad because Jesus says that you'll have trouble in this world, but he said, be a good cheer, I've overcome. He said, okay, it rains on the just and unjust. He never told me that I wouldn't have to go through it. He never, when I got saved, he never said, okay, once you become a believer, you, you won't have to experience the stuff that everybody else have to experience. The stuff like pain, heartache, trial. You do, but you have a different perspective because you're not tied to that. Oh, God, you can rejoice. Even though it's hard, even though you're looking, you can, you can sit back and say, you know what? I'm coming out of this. And listen, and I'm believing for a miracle, and I believe one's going to happen. But you know what? I know that God is able to do in me what I can't do for myself. Amen. And I know that no matter what situation I'm in, I win. Do you hear me? We win. Look at the book. Open it up. Look at Revelation. You're supposed to be you're in there. You are there. It won't be no more sickness. There won't be no more pain. There won't be any more of that. But until then, glorify your God. Glorify your God. I know that. I know. I, I've been there. Down, you know, I, 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 I walked that thing one time when, when you remember how many of you remember the name of claim and doctrine? Okay? I believe in Jesus' name. This is my car. I'm having it. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Uh, see that house? I'm believing it. I'm laying my hand. That's my house. In Jesus' name. It's kind of a, and you know, what happened is it, it all becomes about things. <laughs> you know, things. You know, I lay my hand on it. How about I lay your hand on some character, you know, getting your character straight. Stop lying, stop cheating, stop stealing. How about laying hands on that kind of stuff? I'm just saying, we got to get beyond this world. See, I can, I can preach. I can, I can be one of those preachers that can every week, I can tell you nice things and, and be music to your ears. You'd be like, hallelujah, thank you, Pastor. Oh, gee, I love that. You preach good to me. Oh, 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 do you want that or do you want the truth? Which one do you want? I'm just saying, what do you want? You want the truth? Talk to me. Do you want truth, or do you just want me to make you feel good? The truth. Now, if y'all say, Pastor, every week, I want you to come in and preach the truth, then I'll just go right there, and then I'll say, look, I'm going to find y'all another pastor. If y'all say y'all don't want the truth, you understand what I'm saying? Truth will set you what? Anything else, it won't. I can't, listen, I am not going to live my life, and I'm not going to be accountable to God For telling people lies and giving them hope and stuff that is futile. I ain't gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. And look at look at Luke real quick, because we gotta get to our main text. I only got a few minutes left. Luke chapter 12, real quick. Luke chapter 12. While you're going to Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Ask yourself the question just in your heart. What did it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You see what Jesus was getting at there? He said, What does a profit? What does a profit? If you gain everything, if you got all the money that the world could offer you, if you became like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, if you had everything that your heart could ever desire, he said, it doesn't mean a thing. If you don't have Christ. Here's this parable of a rich young, a rich fool. Now I want you to see the attitude of this guy. In verse number 13 in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. he says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you. And He said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Now do you all think I'm anti-things? No, I'm not. I'm just anti- anything that comes before Christ. That's the way we look at that. Verse number 16. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground, watch this, the ground of a certain rich man, watch, listen to this guy a ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully and he brought, he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul. So you have many goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink and be merry. But then but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We're talking about our greatest ambition. Um, how many of you, when you get a raise, the first thing you think about is, man, I can do more for Jesus. That one. All right, good. Good. Y'all doing well. Can I admit, I, look, look, I was deep into this thing and I didn't think that way. I was deep into it. I got a raise. My wife would tell you: first thing, flat screen, or it wasn't flat screen back in those days. What was it? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking. Camera, lenses, old kind of (laughs) stuff. But you know, when when, when Christ becomes your greatest ambition, you're thinking, God gave me more so I can give more for his glory and to expand his kingdom. God, I'm going to take this raise you gave me. I'm going to do a good deal. I'm going to invest it in a good ministry. I'm going to invest it in a good work. I'm going to invest it in someone I know that has been studying to be a missionary or studying to, to be a pastor or a leader or, or, or somebody that is out in the community doing a great work of service and bringing light. To, I'm going to invest in that. with the raise God gave me. I'm just saying. You see, if that's not the first thing to come up in our minds, then we're letting some other stuff get in the way. It's okay. But you know you got to start someplace. <laughs> you got to start someplace. Okay, I haven't been thinking that way, but, but, but now I realize because, because this, this man, what, what did he do? He, he, had, he had a lot, didn't he? He had so much. He said, what am I going to do with all this stuff I got? He said, instead of thinking, I'm going to give it away. I'm going to use it to help somebody. You know what he said? He said, I'm going to build me some big barn. And I'm going to store it up for myself. Watch out for any gospel that has at its core a focus on self. You hear me? If a gospel that's being preached is always focused on self, it's not the true gospel. Let me say this. The real gospel always look out. Really. Jesus, every, Jesus said, I came to give my life. Jesus said, I, I didn't come to... To be served, I came to serve. If he was like that, what kind of folk are we supposed to be? I mean, when he got down and washed those disciples' feet, and we did that here some months back. And the most humbling experience, washing feet. I was in uh, D.C. working with Samaritan's feet. And, uh, you know, some of the people in D.C. are a little rough. And some of those feet was, ooh, I looked at some of those feet. I almost, uh, my heart skipped a beat. Like, oh, even the gloves ain't going to help this. I'm like, I got to do, you know, and I'm praying, Lord, just kill the flesh. Because my flesh is like, disease, Uh, stink, Uh, what is that on your feet? Uh, (laughs) I'm just being real because this is what, but you see, when, when Christ becomes your greatest ambition, hence, you know, no man after the flesh. That person was made in the image of God, and God died for that person. That's right. Don't matter how they got there, God died for him, and he died for those feet too. In this sense, that, that's just part of his body. God, God, God expects us to respond to them with love. Listen, and it may be hard for you to do that. It may be hard for you to go and and do, but you know what? When Christ becomes your greatest ambition, you just lay down your life. You walk in there, sometimes you go kicking and screaming. I don't really want to do. I see how some of y'all sometimes walk in the church. Just like a kid. Jesus, how you doing? Why are we doing it? See, you get to a point that you love. That's why you always got to keep it in your mind that, that the Bible says you can be, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. You know what that tells me? Everything I do, whether you recognize it or not, if I do it with the right heart, God's watching, God's saying You know, nobody else saw you pick up that piece of paper in my name, but I saw it. Nobody else know that you went and served me in this capacity, but I saw it. I know they didn't come and pat you on the back, but I was looking. He said, what you're doing secretly, I'll reward you openly. Ah. So we don't want to be like this guy, do we? We we don't want to store up stuff because, I mean, as we said last week, you can't take it with you. But, boy, you can take it with you. You can take it with you if you use it to expand the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of this other stuff you ain't got to worry about. The kingdom. Pastor, what do you mean, seek first the kingdom? I mean, come on, pastor. Seeking first the kingdom is not just a one-time event. It's not at some special moment. Seeking first the kingdom is a lifestyle. (laughs) It's just a lifestyle of just, I don't belong. I, the kingdom is, is about, everything for me It's all about the kingdom. In some way, Jesus says, if we, so if people are not so-called blessed, then I, I, I got to go back to, are you really seeking the kingdom? Because he said, if you seek first the kingdom, all of these things that we worry about, you know what we worry about, clothes. Eat. I told my wife, honey, don't be worrying about feeding the kids all the time. They can miss a meal every now and then. They won't die. <laughs> my, my 18 year old, my 18 year old, my 18 year old, I'm hungry. Boy, you don't know what being hungry is. I'm starving. You know how they do. I'm so, you don't have a clue of what starving is. You don't have a clue. Seek first the kingdom. And all that little stuff that we were God said, don't worry about it, I'll take care of that. But I want you so preoccupied with my work and doing my my will in the earth that that I don't want you to even think, I'm going to take care of all the other stuff. And so if all the other stuff ain't being taken care of, then we got to ask ourselves, what's first? It goes, because God's word is not going to return void. God meets the needs of his people. Do you hear me? God meets the needs of his people. But we got to put him first. Right. First, we got to finish up. Can I get just ten more minutes? How am I doing Ten more minutes. All right, y'all gonna hold me. I'll let you know when to count. Okay, don't start yet. Philippians chapter three, verses one through sixteen. <laughs> I'll let you know when to count. Philippians chapter three. Now we all just read this. Uh, my 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 daughter read this earlier. Uh, I'm not going to read it again. But you can still put it up on the screen, uh, Zari, if you can just uh, let folks look at it and read it and meditate on it while I talk about it. Um, Apostle Paul, the scripture said that, the, watch this, the Apostle Paul had accolades, right? Paul says, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Paul says, I was more zealous than any of them. Paul had credentials. He was a Pharisee. You, couldn't be, you just couldn't be a Pharisee. I mean, you, you had to go through some stuff to be a fair. Paul says, I was the best of them. He said, as far as confidence in the flesh, he said, I wasn't suffering from uh, low, low, low low, low, confidence, low self-esteem. Paul said, in the flesh, I was very confident. There was nothing about my life that I felt like I needed anything. This is where Paul was. Paul had, was in a point because Paul was at a place where he felt like, I'm, I'm, I'm sufficient because I, you know, he was deceived because he didn't know Christ and, and you know he had that experience where Christ impacted his life. But then Paul gets to a point. I, I love how you say this. My my thing is moving on me. Stay still. Okay. Y'all give me give me, give me two seconds here. Technology you can't live with it. All right. Now, now think about this for a second. The apostle Paul, he had all of these Accolades, right? He was a mighty man of God. He was a man who had gone through some things, and he comes to this point in his life where he says that I'm willing to give it all up. Now I want you, now let's be practical. How many of you have had degrees? right, got one? How many of you got more than one degree? (laughs) How many of you got? Okay, got another one? Many of us have clout. Many of us have achievements, right? I mean, we got achievements on our job. Paul said, you know what? Everything that was important to me, when I got to know Christ, I gave it all up. He says, in fact, that it was rubbish. If you look at verse number eight, you have verse number eight? He says, yet indeed I count all things lost, the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul lost everything, but you know he wants not sit back when he had to give it up. He wanted to sit back like, oh, I hate to give it up. You know, I told y'all last week when I first got saved, I gave up some stuff. But I was hating giving up earth when the fire. Let me tell you, my flesh was kicking. My flesh was screaming like, oh no! Jesus! Oh, no! And then I said, was, I was like, well, I'm going to give it to somebody. Then the Lord's not throw it in the trash. Oh, Jesus, no, no, no. I went kicking and screaming. But Paul says, he counted it as rubbish. Rubbish means waste, junk, scrap. Paul said, everything I had, he said, everything I got, all my accolades, everything that I was before I came to Christ, it don't mean nothing to me anymore. Oh, you know what happened? Christ became his greatest ambition now. He says in verse number 10, he says that I may know him. Now, you go and study that word in the Greek and you can study in the Hebrew, but that's an intimate word. Paul was saying, I don't want to just have a casual knowledge of Jesus. Paul was saying, I want to know him to the point that I want to be like him. He said, I want to know him. Paul's greatest pursuit in life. I want to know Jesus. I want to know. I want to know how he thinks. I want to know how he acts. I want to know what motivate him. I want to get to know every fiber of his being because I want to be like Jesus. How many of you really want to be like Jesus? Don't be afraid to raise your hand. How many of you really want to be like Jesus? Be careful what you ask for. Because when you study Jesus, <sighs> Jesus is awesome. Jesus went through it. Paul says, I want to know him. In fact, Paul goes a step further. And I first read this many years ago. I was like, how do you get to that point? God, I ain't nowhere near that. Paul says that I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I, I want to exp- Experience what it's like to, and he couldn't do it in the sense that, that Jesus, you know, Jesus died for his sin. He couldn't experience that. But, but, but Paul said, I want to know what it's like to, to, to die and to, and to suffer and be raised from that. But he, he takes it a step further when he says, and this, got, this just blew my mind away. He says, I want to fellowship with his suffering. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? Paul says. He said, I want to fellowship. Fellowship means hang out with, identify with, spend time with suffering. He said, I want to fellowship with his suffering. If you think the brother was crazy, he even took it a step further than that. He said, I want to be conformed to his death. I'm willing to die for this. I want to die for Jesus. I want to suffer like he suffered. In a sense, you know, he couldn't do it in the real sense. But in, in a sense, Paul, you can see this achedness in his body. He was like, I, I want to know him. I, I, I want a fellowship. I, 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 you know, I, everything in my life don't mean anything. Nothing is matters. He is everything to me. He is my greatest ambition. I want to die for this. I want to know him. I want to live like him. I want to act like him. I study him. I want to be like Jesus in everything that I do. I want to know him. I want to know him. He didn't just want to have a this fly by night kind of thing. No, 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 no. This brother was like, this is everything to me. This is my life. This is my life. How do you get to that point? How do you how do you get to that point? You got to come on the premise that you're a dead person on dead on arrival. We call it in police terms, D.O.A. Dead on arrival. The minute you come in the kingdom dead. The problem is too many people keep resurrecting their old self and they won't let it die. Therefore, you, we can never get to this point where we say, I want to be good. Lord, I'm willing to go through whatever. When I think about the disciples and all that they went through and all those people died, some of them died upside down, some of them was boiled in hot oil. I mean, these these guys went through some stuff. They did it because they said, like the apostle, I just want to know. I, you, you're kidding me. He said, I want a fellowship with the sufferer. I want to be like him. I want to be like, I want to, when people see, I want, we, we're all supposed to be little Jesus that's running around here. But a lot of times the stuff that come out of us ain't nothing like Jesus. Ain't nothing. I mean, some of the stuff is like, I don't want to know. I don't want to, I don't want to live. Paul was saying, this is, this is it for me now. This is all over. And then he says in verse 12 that he pressed to lay hold of the very reason Christ laid hold of him. Now, do you hear that? Now, I want you to listen to that. When he says, I press to lay hold of the, of the, the very thing, the very reason Christ laid hold of him, Paul was saying that whatever it is that God called me to do, I'm willing to do it. Even if it means that I got to give up stuff that's really, really important to me, I'm willing to do it. Doesn't matter. He, Paul was saying, I want to lay hold of the very reason why he called me in the first place. I want to do that. Or are you nuts? One time I had a brother, fellow brother in the police department, and he went to China. as was a missionary. And I remember all the people saying, all, the, all, all my fellow officers were saying in secret, how can this dude, he crazy. How would he go to China and take his family out to school? and go through it, go to be a missionary. That's it. I, mean, I was trying to talk to him, but he, he don't, he's stupid. He's crazy. He, you, know, you know, sometimes when God, when God burdens you, and you didn't know that God called you something because it's a burden in your heart, you can't shake it. That brother was held captive. He couldn't do nothing else. He had to do it because he couldn't sleep at night unless he did what God told him to do. And sometimes God tells you to do stuff, you don't sleep until you do it. Paul was saying, God, whatever you call me to do, I'll do it. Okay, that's not a good enough example for you. Jesus says, I came to give my life. I came to die on the cross. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to be doing. He came to die. He did not come to be served. He did not come to make a name for himself. He's, Jesus said it this way. He said, I do nothing that I say my Father tells me to. Jesus, said, everything I do, my, I just wait, I wait to hear what God tells me to do. He said, I didn't come to do my will, I came to do His will. <sighs> what would happen if all of us thought that way? He said, I press for the upward call in Christ Jesus. Here's what Paul was saying that everything else in this life, The call that God has in my life, the upward call, is always higher and always better. You know, the enemy will always try to tell you that, man, to give up that stuff, man, to give up that good job, to give up that house, to give up. I had the last church I was a part of, I thought those people were crazy. Those people were giving up million-dollar homes to go live in huts. The best church I've ever seen in my life is in Shantilly, Grace Covenant Church. Those people were, and a lot of them were, listen, some of these guys were professional football players, watching red-skinned players. Darryl Green, Charles Mann. I hung out with all those guys. And you know what I used to see them do? Not just them, but it wasn't just them. It was the other folk. There were other people like uh, uh, just the ordinary. These people were like moving, new, be there for like a year. And I walk in there, you walk in there, that's my dream. You know, everybody got their dream house. You know, if you get their dream house, that means I ain't going nowhere else. This is it. And then they say, I know they're talking about moving. I'm like, dude, you're going to give up all that? What wrong with you? To go do what? And, and I knew that they were real. And I said, I want to be around them people. Because things didn't have them. They used them to further the kingdom. That stuff did not... Hold them to the point that they were like, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to hold this. But boy, when you get to a point that you're really free, you give it up. You know that scripture that says, delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of his heart. You know, a lot of people take it out of context. Oh, delight, my, if I, delight myself in God. Go to church, read my Bible every now and then, and God will give me what I want. Not He said, delight yourself in me. That means love me, desire me, love me, pursue me. Let me be your passion, and then I'll give you the desires of your heart. You know why? Because your desires won't be what it was before. (laughs) You have an encounter with Jesus, he'll change your desires. I mean, I used to have some bad desires. Y'all don't want to know what kind of desires I had. I asked about, and I came to Christ each and one of the things that kept me from coming to the kingdom for so long, I said, I can't change. I can't do that. No, but I can't give up that. But all of a sudden, I came to Christ, and my desires changed, and everything. It's like, I don't like that no more. I don't want to be around that no more. That turns me off. Because the closer you get to him, the more you're going to be like him. And the more you like him, your desires will not be for yourself. It's going to be consistent with what he has for your life. So when he said, delight yourself in the Lord, I give you the desires of your heart, it's not about God giving me what I want. It's about me knowing him and doing what he wants. See, that's good preaching, even if you don't agree with it. (laughs) And lastly, this is, I'm done. Paul says, in this verse, because some of y'all might think, well, that's just for the preacher. That's just for the spiritual leaders. They're supposed to be crazy like this. Y'all, do y'all think that this is supposed to be me. I'm supposed to be the only one that's supposed to be like trying to press into this. No. Everybody. Now, because, you know, he said, look at verse 15. You got verse 15 that same. He said, therefore, let us as many as are mature. Have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this even to you. He said, now, how many know that God wants every one of us to be mature? He said, we're all supposed to grow up in the things of God, right? He says, you know, we're not supposed to stay babies. Everybody's supposed to grow up. He's saying, if you call yourself a mature Christian, you'll be just like this. Now, I, I, know, I know some of you, you heard this word, and you're thinking, man, I didn't come to get punched like this this morning. But here's what I know. If you lay hold of Christ... He will satisfy the longing of your heart. You will, your life will change. I'm talking to Christians. I'm not talking about, because, you know, there are a lot of Christians that still struggle with self-denial, right? They're still struggling. I'm not talking, I'm talking about Christians. If we come to a place where we say, Lord, I just want you, and we just get to know him, I guarantee you, you'll be like, oh my goodness, this is a great, I love Jesus, I love him, I love him. God, God can trust you with stuff. He'll do miracles through you. You'll be hollering on it because he knows, because you have made him your number one ambition in life. Yeah. And he says, because you, made, because you set your love on me, and I'll just, you can just write the scripture down. Look at Psalm, don't look at it, just write it down. Psalm 91, 14 through 16. He says, because you love me, I will answer you. Because I've become your ambition. Because I've become the most important person, thing in your life. Whatever, however you want to say it. He said, you will call on my way and I will, I will, I will respond to you. I will answer. She put it up there anyway. Good. I, that's, that's pretty good. Hallelujah. Diva would be proud of you today. Good job. Every... Uh, Every eye is closed, every head is bowed.